Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Banker Next Door. I'm your host, Dr. Joe Berquist. Uh, today, I wanted to get everyone a banking regulatory update, just to let everyone know, okay, hey, what's going on in the regulatory world and banking right now? And I'm going to bring this up. So here is, so this is from the Independent Community Bankers Association. This is their first quarter 2024 advocacy and action brief. Uh, great little document. It's just a simple two-page PDF. Uh, really does an excellent job of just summarizing what are the the hot button topics, if you will, at the moment uh, with regulation. Um, for anyone who is in banking, if you uh, are a member, if your bank's a member of the American Bankers Association or the ICBA, um, every banking association is going to should is is going to put out something like this. It's basically going to be some kind of brief that's going to address the regulatory topics. If you if you don't look at this regular regularly, I highly suggest that you do. Um, and even if you're not in banking, I suggest people go and take a look at this because uh, the reality is a lot of this legislation is going to affect your business um, and it's going to affect you on a consumer level as well. So with that being said, let's take a look at some of these things that are going on here. So we have the CF. PB overdraft proposal. Uh, that's all. That proposal right now is all about uh, overdraft fees. What overdraft fees banks can charge to customers for overdrafting their account? I mean, that, that's a little bit of a very broad overview, but that's kind of it in a nutshell. ICBA is trying to basically reduce the impact of those rules on community banks that are less than ten billion in assets. Then. We have uh, the what's called the Durbin Marshall Amendment expansion legislation. Now, this is a very fascinating bill. So basically, you had the Durbin bill years ago, which kind of regulated what uh, like credit card processing fees and what could be charged uh, and things of that nature. And so this bill, effectively, what it's trying to do is it's trying to, you know, kind of uh, uh I can't say eliminate. I don't think eliminate is the right word. But uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll take a step back. I'll put it this way. So you've got the major credit card companies. You've got like MasterCard, Visa, American Express, and they're basically controlling, you know, 99.9% .9 of all the, the payment flow and the payment transactions right now going through the system. And so what they're trying to do here with this Durban bill is basically create another lane, another, an alternative route, if you will. And then other payment processors could could get in on that highway and go and and go in uh kind of like a like you know almost think of it like two parallel roads next to each other where you got you know amx visa and mastercard over here and then you've got all these other little players over here um it, it's very interesting because i think in theory in theory it makes a lot of sense in practicality of of how it's going to be executed in everyday the real world i i don't know i don't know how that's really going to to work out but again something interesting to keep an eye on uh we also have here we have strong support for the ilc loophole bill so the industrial loan company or the ilc loophole allows big tech and commercial companies to own essentially full service fdic insured banks while evading holding company supervision. The ICBA is promoting bipartisan legislation that would close the ILC loophole, grandfather existing ILCs, and address pending applications. Uh, I have been a strong proponent of getting rid of the ILC loophole for quite some time, and I do hope uh, that this goes through. It appears that this legislation does have bipartisan support from both parties, so I would you know, keep my fingers crossed that hopefully something will happen there. Um, 
Farm Bill and Support for Agriculture. So ICBA is aggressively advocating for rural community bank priorities, recommending six key principles for a new Farm Bill, which is now in development. So these priorities include ample funding for commodity programs, rural broadband, and crop insurance. So ICBA also advocates for higher USDA guaranteed loan limits, a USDA express program, and other program enhancements. So, and then ICBA strongly opposes expansion of the farm credit system into non-farm lending activities. Uh, yeah, so hopefully, yeah, I, I do think that would be a good bill and a prudent bill. Uh, so we'll see what's happening there. So what's going on over here? So on the, on the far right here, we have real results for your bank. So FDI special assessment relief. So Okay, what happened with that? Was it the the four banks that failed in April? I'm sorry, March and April of last year. Um, when when a bank fails, that takes a hit to what's called the FDIC insurance fund. And and when you have a hit to that fund, they have to then replenish them. And then and they usually replenish that through what's called a special assessment. They hit basically, you know, every bank in the company and the, and the company, every bank in the country would get hit with a special assessment. And everybody would have to pay in a percentage to, to replenish the fund. Well, um, basically, the advocacy was it was it. Hey, look, this was kind of a regional bank or a big bank problem, if you will, and that you know small community banks shouldn't have to pay into this special assessment. And that is kind of what how that worked out there for the most part. And uh, so the bigger banks had to kind of pay in with the special assessment to replenish the FDIC fund. And, and that's kind of what this says here. So if we, if we go here, so the FDIC finalized a special assessment triggered by the failures of Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank. In response to ICBA's advocacy, the assessment exempts community banks with uninsured deposits of less than $5 billion, meaning these community banks will not pay a penny of the $16.3 billion in special assessments collected by the FDIC. So there you go. Uh, Congress rejects the 1071 rule. With strong bipartisan support, both the House and the Senate passed a resolution in the fall to nullify the CFPB's final rule under Dodd-Frank Section 1071. Uh, President Biden did veto that, uh, but its passage by Congress will nevertheless help to highlight and advance community bank concerns with the final rule. So, yeah, so, you know, there's still a lot to be. So basically what the 1071 rule is, is it was part of the Dodd-Frank Act from from way back in in uh, 2010. And what this is, what this is all in reference to is basically data collection, a collection of a, of a number of data points, uh, particularly around small businesses. Uh, it, would, it would, you know, again, it's it's just. Uh, I think it gets back to the fact that it's just it's just more regulation. It's just more data that the that the the, the you know that the government's requiring, um, and the government's you know never ending lust for more and more data, more and more information on every man, woman, and child in this country. Um, so, yeah. So we'll see how that goes. So obviously, President Biden vetoed it. So at some point, this thing that is going to kick that 1071 rule is going to kick in. But we'll see, you know, we'll see what happens here down the road. So and then finally, as we get to page two, what are some of the other things that are in here? So we got tax incentives for community bank, agriculture and home loans, central bank, digital currency. The ICBA opposes a U.S. central bank digital currency, which would compete with community bank deposits needed to fund local lending and undermine consumer privacy, among others. Uh, yes, I am absolutely uh, I am absolutely right there with it. I, I oppose a central bank digital currency 110 percent. And I pray every day that that does not uh, come to pass. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna do. I'm working on an episode right now, all about, 
uh, central bank digital currency. And I'll, I'll get into that. So uh, cannabis banking, you know, ICBA supports legislation that would create a safe harbor from federal sanctions for financial institutions that serve cannabis related businesses. Uh, we got restriction of the sale of trigger leads. Okay. So this is an interesting one. So for anyone that applied for a mortgage in the last couple of years, uh, so you applied for the mortgage and then banks have to pull a credit report on you. So when the banks pulled the credit report, the credit reporting agencies were then selling those leads to a bunch of marketers. And then you would start receiving this just, you know, influx of, of uh, phone calls from all these other mortgage companies around the country trying to get you to basically take a mortgage out with them instead of the person you were working with. So, uh, which yeah, again, I mean, I, I actually experienced this myself about two years ago when I was looking at, at doing something and, um, you know, and just, you know, applied for the mortgage and then boom, next thing I know, I was literally, literally got like, you know, 25 phone calls in one day. And I was like, why am I getting all these phone calls? What's going on here? And this is, and this is something that's, uh, I think, relatively new. I mean, I don't remember this happening, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago. Uh, like, you know, so uh, so again, they're trying to uh, put through this legislation here that would basically, you know, restrict the sale of these trigger leads so that, you know, when you go to apply for a mortgage, you're not going to get a, a thousand phone calls, you know, kind of ridiculous thing. Um, crypto assets, decentralized finance, again, still hashing out over regulation about, you know, how to regulate cryptocurrency and stable coins and things of that nature. Um, and I don't know, it's, it's that's a very interesting because we've been this, that this talk, this is, and that's all it is, is talk. It's just this talk of this regulation has been going round and round and round for the last couple of years. If you want a little bit more uh, background on the whole crypto thing, I, I have a whole, I have, I have a four parts of a crypto series I put out. I've, I'm working on couple extra parts to that that'll be coming out soon. But if you got, if you're interested in that, you can go, you can go check that out for more information there. Um, SBA lending and non-bank fintechs, uh, ICBA strongly opposes an SBA final rule that will allow non-bank fintechs to originate 7A loans, thereby increasing fraud risk and defaults. Um, yeah, you know, I probably need to do a whole episode on like the SBA lending and uh, just the different products, but also some of the, the, the more interesting things that have been going on with that. They, they want to open up kind of SBA lending to a lot of different, you know, fintech companies to originate loans and things like that. Um, there are absolutely a lot of pros and cons with that. Uh, we'll have to, you know, but we'll have to get in and, and I'll have to get in and dig into that much more in depth. And then finally, we have a section 1033 exemption. Um, ICBA is seeking accommodations for community banks in the implementation of its Dodd-Frank section 1031 1033 rule specifically ICBA is urging the CFPB to exempt community banks with less than 850 million assets, uh, small businesses as defined by the small business administration from a requirement to create and maintain a third party developer interface. Now, what is this? This is open banking. Um, if anybody has not seen my, uh, episode on open banking, uh, I would also instruct people to go check out my episode on beneficial ownership information, BOI, but, um, this in particular, the, the, the Dodd-Frank Section 1033 rule, this is open banking. Um, I'm highly opposed to open banking. I, I don't like this. I don't think it should be done. I think I think banks are really, um, I think the industry is really asking for trouble uh, by implementing this. In turn, I, I think it's going to open up a whole can of problems with cybersecurity. Um, again, like we don't already have enough issue with cybersecurity. You're going to you're going to throw this in there. So, uh, but again, go check that episode out and see what you think. And then finally, 
We have a prescriptive and intrusive FDIC corporate governance proposal. So in December, the FDIC proposed troubling guidelines that would raise the bar for the independence of board members, making it harder to recruit qualified directors and heighten liability risk for bank directors and officers, among other adverse changes. Uh, the proposal would apply to institutions with assets of 10 billion or more, though the agency would reserve authority to apply it to smaller institutions. So that, again, is another very interesting piece of legislation that's out there right now. I mean, obviously, um, I shouldn't say obviously, because it's not obvious to a lot of people, again, that are outside the industry. But uh, being a being a, on the board of directors for a bank carries a lot of liability with it. Um, you know, you're responsible for a lot. I mean, if that financial institution goes under, um, you know, you could be on the hook personally for a lot of the damages and things that that, that go on. Um, you could get sued for, you know, criminal and, and, and you could go to jail. I mean, it's, it's not just not just a financial issue. It's it's a you know, you could have criminal liability there depending on, on what happens. So. And what happens is obviously if there's if there's more liability, it just it makes it harder to recruit you know people to come and be and get on the board and serve as board of directors on banks. Um, because again, to use a, a you know the 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 juice isn't worth the squeeze at a certain point. In other words, whatever compensation you might be uh, gaining from the bank, it's not worth the risk or the liability that you're going to take on to perform those those duties. So um, so anyway, that that's basically a uh, kind of quick rundown regulatory update on kind of what's going on here. Uh, I'm as again uh, ICBA they they put out these great little pieces um, every quarter. So I would highly recommend people go check them out. Make your you know just again make yourself aware. And I think that this kind of thing is perfect for that. It's just a little two page document gives you a quick overview of what are all the main kind of important things going on right now. Um, so just go on, check that out when you have time and, uh, you know, just bring yourself up to speed on what are the different regulatory hot button topics at the moment. And, uh, you know, so again, I think it's a very helpful thing. It'll help you understand just kind of what's going on. So, but I hope everyone liked this episode today. Please make sure to like subscribe and share. It always helps the channel. Please keep an eye out. I have a, a couple of other episodes coming out today as in, in, uh, you know, with, um, uh, what do I got? I got the the you know weekly banking update will be coming out. Uh, some of the other things I did a quick episode on on AI and how that affects. We're going to be talking about regional banks, and uh, we're also going to talk about treasuries. Uh, so again, so I hope everyone will tune into some of those other episodes, and I will see everybody again real soon. Thanks.